Explore the new AFIF AHA guideline and key highlights for supporting and guiding your severe symptomatic aortic stenosis patients at heartvalve.com. This message is brought to you by Edward Fleifeinfuss. Connect with us at heartvalve.com. You are listening to Rock's Heart Radio with host Roxana Mehran. This month's Getting to Know You episode features European Society of Cardiology President Stefan Achenbach. Hello, this is Roxana Moran on Rock's Heart Radio at TCTMD, and I'm really, really excited about today's episode. Special guest today is Professor Stefan Achenbach, who's the Chairman of Cardiology and Professor of Medicine at University of Erdogan uh, in Germany. He is currently the President of the European Society of Cardiology. We're really, really so thrilled to have you here with us. And if it's okay, I'm going to call you Stefan. Is that okay, Stefan? Mm-hmm. Please, Roxana, we've known each other for a while, so anything else? For a long time, and we're just so thrilled. I'm so thrilled to have you, and it's so nice that you're here with us. I want to sort of let the world know a little bit about you. First, that your research interests focus mostly on cardiovascular imaging, computed tomography, and early detection and, and characterization of coronary atherosclerosis. And then, of course, you've done such seminal work for supporting and guiding coronary and cardiovascular interventional procedures. As the founding president of the Society of Cardiovascular CT in Europe from 2005 and 2007, and then of course you were vice president for a couple of years of ESC, you're on the board uh, of the ESC, Uh, you chaired the Congress, I had the pleasure of being a part of some of the program work uh, with you and I saw you in action and your incredible work and diligence in bringing ESC to the world. And now, as the president of the European Society of Cardiology, which started in 2020, and you will be president until 2022. Is that correct? That's correct. It's two years for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's fantastic. So let's first start about that. Two years, I think, is a really, really nice time. As you know, in the U.S., for the American Heart Association, for... Most of our presidencies or for our societies are just one year. And I often think it takes you about a year to get your feet wet (laughs) and then Mm -hmm. the next year to kind of really put things into action. Uh, So uh, tell me first, uh, what do you think about a two-year? That's a huge amount of dedication, especially with your busy life in the cath lab and everything that you do. Uh, How are you managing all of this? And what does that mean, two years of presidency? Yeah, I think you're completely right, Roxana. There's many good things to having a, a somewhat longer period of presidency, but there's also, of course, the time commitment, which is massive, because I, I same for the American societies, you're not just the president for two years. Before that, you're the president-elect. After that, you're the past president, and you don't disappear from the stage. So for us, in total, it's a six-year commitment, two years as president-elect, two years as president, and then two years as past president. So that gives you a lot of continuity. And of course, the time commitment is most in your presidency stage. But exactly as you said, well, now my first year of presidency, it's not almost over. It's like three, and a, three quarters over. But if I would imagine that I have to stop in three months, you've hardly accomplished anything and then your period is over. So the longer continuity is, is a good thing. It takes a lot from the rest of the professional life, of course. And as you say, I work here as a normal clinical cardiologist, interventional so I don't sleep very much and the weekends I usually spend working these days. But overall, of course, it's a worthwhile, a worthwhile endeavor to do this. I mean, a huge commitment. And I mean, of course, before the pandemic, it would have meant that 
you'd have to be traveling all around the world. And now you're in some ways, I think you're a little bit saved uh, by being at home. So tell me, uh, what are you hoping, let's start with that. What are you hoping to accomplish as president of the European Society of Cardiology for uh, ESC? Well, on one hand, of course, we have the immediate situation of the COVID-19 pandemic, and we have to help maneuver the organization and the cardiovascular community through the COVID-19 pandemic. And we know it's not quite over yet, neither for the cardiovascular community and the healthcare consequences, nor for the organizations. Probably COVID-19 has shaken up the way we do our business and the way we have been providing our services. And it will not be exactly the same after the COVID-19 pandemic has been, has been done. So we now have to really plan for the future. So this is one aspect, of course, getting the organization through the COVID-19 pandemic. The workforce has been tremendous. My fellow volunteers have been tremendous. So I think like the other organizations, we, we did a good job. But the difficult part is now to predict what the future will be like. And this is what I was intending to do as I sat on, you know, how we will deliver our products, if you want to call them, in the future. Uh, our main product, of course, if you take the bird's eye's perspective, is to help the, help the cardiovascular community do their job better, to provide education, to provide science, interpret science for the cardiovascular healthcare workforce. This is what we're supposed to do with the highest quality and robustness that is possible. But how will this be consumed in the future? How do we reach our community in the future? Uh, it used to be the congresses and the journals, but certainly it is going to change and we have to get ready for this. This is the most important task. Yeah, I mean, I find that, you know, your meeting, the European Society of Cardiology, and I'm so excited about it. It's coming up in the next month or so, and everyone is gearing up with the greatest late-breaking science that was just uh, uh, announced and the ability for you to kind of have your footprints around the world uh, through your virtual platform that actually has worked beautifully. Last year, I think you had a largest uh, audience mm -hmm. ever to yeah. date, and this is the largest Congress in the world for cardiovascular disease. So tell me, uh, what made the decision of the virtual platform this year, a fully virtual platform, as opposed to a hybrid platform that some of the other societies are considering? Well, you're completely right. I mean, we have been lucky to, be, to have been a very large cardiovascular Congress in the past several years. We usually had about 32,000 attendees on site, but last year we had to turn our our meeting completely virtual, and we had 120,000 registrants from all over the world. So the, we were deeply impressed. We had a higher number of individuals from regions that usually would not be able to attend, like South America, for, for example. We had a higher number of young individuals. We had a higher number of female registrants. Everything was going exactly the way we wanted it. Now, the decision to go completely virtual, also in 21, was done very early. It was, in fact, immediately after the Congress in 2020, the board came together. We looked at the COVID-19 situation. We tried to extrapolate what it would be like. Nobody really knew, but we, you know, we were thinking we would not be able to run a full-size on-site Congress and we would have a lot of uncertainty in planning. And we did not want to have the uncertainty in planning. So we decided together, it was a joint exercise that we are going from minute one to plan for a virtual event, which means a different session formats, different duration of sessions, everything has to be done differently. So we would rather want to develop an optimal virtual product, an optimal online product, rather than compromise and have a hybrid event, which would not do perfect service to those on site and also to those online. That's why the decision. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love that decision because it was early on and it's always about excellence. I always find ESC 
all about excellence and that you didn't want to do a suboptimal job in both the, uh, in a hybrid platform. And I think we know what you delivered. And I think having the knowledge be delivered to the world at large, to places where we know these physicians, clinicians, nurses, practitioners, early trainees, women, underrepresented minorities are not able to travel on site, but having the meeting uh, be available to them at all corners of the world is tremendous. And I think I want to congratulate uh, ESC for that early decision. But I have to tell you, I can't wait to get back in person. Um, yeah. That feeling, the vibe that one gets uh, walking through the halls of ESC, going through the poster sessions, which is the best in the world, doing um, or watching the clinical trials, which everyone turns their attention to. You know, uh, you guys just do it really, really well. And mm -hmm. I want to congratulate you for that. You. But let's turn our attention to you. This is about you. We want to get to know you, Stefan Achenbach. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where were you born? Uh, what do you like to do? What's your, what's your vision? What's your dream? Hmm. All of that. Well, if you want to know where I was born, I was born in Germany, in Wiesbaden, um, quite a while ago, if I may say. And then I, I was born in Wiesbaden, that's in the middle of Germany, close to Frankfurt. But I grew up in the Black Forest region uh, hmm. in the city called Freiburg. I was lucky as a high school student to spend a year in the US, in New Hampshire. I was a year hmm. as a high school student. And um, then initially I wanted to become a physicist, but I did a four-week period of internship, so to speak, in a hospital. And I thought this was so cool. So I switched to, to medical school and I've never regretted it since. Uh, so I went through my training. I initially wanted to become a cardiac surgeon, mm. but in, in Germany, you have to do a doctoral thesis kind of research project in your medical school time. And for to find a, a subject, I turned to the cardiologist of the medical school because he gave the greatest lectures. And I was impressed by his lectures, by his medical school teaching. For example, he would cardioward patients in the medical school lecture. And we thought that was so cool as the student. So I turned to him and he gave me a project, a research project to work on. And this is how I ended up in cardiology. I initially wanted to become a surgeon, but here I am. And I so that's the story of how I became so a cardiologist. So your, what's your day like? Tell me, take us through your day from yesterday. Tell us what you did yesterday. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm on one hand an interventional cardiologist, but also in Germany, we are, I, what I consider in the lucky situation that we can also practice general cardiology at the same time. So I usually, and yesterday is no exception, I come in the morning, I go on intensive care rounds in the morning, very early in the morning, and then we have 6.30. And then we have a morning, morning meeting of the department. And then I usually spend time in the cath lab. That's what I did yesterday, about four or five cases until about noon. And then I go on rounds, I do my office work. And now, of course, my afternoons are full of Zoom meetings and um, it extends late into the evening. And then I had to start working on a presentation that I have to give on the weekend. And I'm not going to tell you how long that took because it took quite a while. <laughs> yeah. And uh, tell us about your world outside of work. Well, it's at the moment, I, I mean, honestly, my, my, my world is dominated by work, but I do like to exercise. I, I like nature. I like photography. So those are the things I spend time with if I, if I don't have to work. So are you, you, do you hike or what do you do? What's your... Run, swim. That's mainly, mainly this, the physical exercise. And if I go on vacation, I like to go to the mountains and go hiking. That's, that's absolutely mm -hmm. But you know, with the ESC on one hand and the department that I'm leading on the other hand, you know, 
because there's not so much time to spend in the mountains at, at this time, point in time. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to giving you that time, hopefully back after 2022. Oh, most certainly. I think we all need to have that time to ourselves, right? Um, we talk about physician wellness and um, it's at an all time low here in, in, in the United States. Um, yeah, uh, I think I'm with, lucky though because I can do things that I really enjoy in my professional life. Sometimes I think, you know, I can I can go in the morning. Every morning I like going to work. I'm happy about it. And then I can do things that I like doing and they actually give me money to do this. Um, so how lucky am I? So we are maybe our work environment in Germany is a bit more fortunate, less pressure with documentation and, and, and all of this so that we, of course, there's also the problem of physician burnout here, but the problem might be not quite as bad as it is in other countries. And you guys have done an amazing job at ESC as an organization on diversity and equality. And I know that I can't, as I'm planning the uh, meetings, I'm not allowed to, I have to make sure that we are about 40 to 50% women in, uh, on panels, no, no manals, no, all these rules that are, have been put in place, but also it's allowing us to really look for talented women and underrepresented minorities with multitudes of countries represented. How did you accomplish that? I, I would say you guys did this very early on before all others, almost like everything else that goes on at ESC. How did you um, get to that place? Well, first of all, of course, it's the multinational background that we have. We have 57 national cardiac societies. And this always makes us realize that there's a wide diversity of practice patterns that we have to co accommodate. And we, we get to know all of these fantastic you know, scientists and clinical practitioners and leaders from all of these different countries to recognize the value that they bring. And this is, of course, an incentive to also include them in our programs. That's for the diversity as far as the national backgrounds is concerned. As far as male and female, I mean, this is a culture thing. Um, you, you can't completely plan this through, right? There's this saying that says uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Uh, it's, it's the culture that is embedded. And we had some very strong women leaders. I might particularly name Barbara Casadei, the president before me, who has been also almost always adamant that we should keep this on our minds. And it has penetrated our th way of thinking, and that's a good thing to do. I think there's still a lot more that we can do um, to make sure that the female uh, cardiovascular practitioners and scientists become the recognition that they deserve and become more support so, so that we def fully develop their potential. There's always more that we can do, but we're trying our best. So before we end on a fun note, what would you like this audience of interventionalists, mostly interventionalists, mm -hmm. to know about you that they may not know about you? Maybe that I, there's one thing I really miss when I was a student and even a medical school student, I was uh, playing in orchestras, classical music. Oh. And, and this I lost completely because of my work and then the family and all of the time that you have to spend otherwise. And that's something that I'm really sad about. So maybe that's some, a little piece of- Which instrument? I played the flute. And oh. uh, it uh, was something that I enjoyed very much, but then- oh. You lose it, and that's what I'm really sad about. Well, well, hopefully you'll get that back as well. Well, it's been so fun getting to know you, Professor Achenbach, Stefan Achenbach from uh, Germany. What a fantastic few minutes with you, and we learned so much. And thank you for your vision and for everything you're doing for the European Society of Cardiology, but most importantly, for your global impact. So thank you. Thank you, and it's been wonderful to get to know you. Thanks. 
Thank you, Roxana. The pleasure is on my side. Thanks a lot for the opportunity. This is Roxana Moran signing off of Roxheart Radio at TCTMD with Stefan Achenbach, getting to know you.